I'm Jared. I'm Tall. And welcome to A Cup of Tea. Everyone's intelligence has been shaped by distinct personal experiences. If you're curious to shed light on both humanity's collective and intimate truths, then take a seat with an open mind and a full glass as we examine reality through the blurry lens of our own individual perspectives. Have an ice cold sip while we talk about artificial intelligence. AI, artificial intelligence, is an idea that has continued to develop for the past several decades and is seemingly growing at an exponential pace. You see, Steeps, long gone are the days where artificial intelligence was simply an NPC in a video game or a non-playable character. You see, nowadays, we actually have progressed so far with artificial intelligence that we are beginning to blur the line between what is real and what is simulated within even chatbots in basic conversations that you could have with a faceless, seemingly nameless character, and in this case, artificial intelligence. And that is what today's Ice-T episode is going to be all about. We are going to be discussing, myself and Tall, artificial intelligence and kind of our ideas around it. And we're going to have a little fun with this topic today, Steeps, because we're also going to engage with AI on today's podcast. We're actually going to talk to ChatGPT, one of the leading chatbots currently in the year 2023, and kind of bounce some ideas off it because it's just this is just a fun, curious topic to discuss. And, and I'm fascinated by the concept of AI and, and terrified <laughs> in some respects, but you know, it's, it's here. So why not engage with it and at least see what the hype's all about? Tal, what, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, I don't know if we have actually reached any singularity points or anything like that just yet, but I mean, we've gotten to the point where we're crossing into like, what is, and like some of these people are claiming, you know, some of these data engineers and scientists are like actually having like, what have we reached levels of cognition with some of these um, neural networks and not necessarily just mm-hmm. the chat, uh, chat box facing side and the chat um, AI side of the things, but then like the deeper personality sides that you're getting, especially with, um, like with Microsoft being releasing their uh, potential AI search engine stuff and everything like that. Right. And Bing, Google right? Out with it as well. Good Bing, thank you. Yeah. Uh, specifically under with uh, Microsoft, and I believe it's uh, Cloud AI, I believe is the company that they had purchased. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there's a lot to talk about it in terms of what it means for art. Um, there, that's a very ha- big controversy thing. Yes. And, uh, I think that there's a lot of claim to be made over um uh, how do you actually distinguish the copyright where of like how do you copyright ai generator i don't think you know and everything like that right it's it's like does it go to the coders does it go to the ai like does it go to the company like who who does it go to like who, who who owns that it's a very good point yeah, especially if we're getting into these things where some of these AI services might be actually be breaching some of those questions of like, okay, how well, how close are we getting to actually calling this thing a conscious thing in some of these cases, right? Mm-hmm. Where it has mm-hmm. at least uh, some engineers convinced, right? You know, um, that we right. have had ha- already have reached those different moments, right? Um, I think that it's one of those things that is going to be fundamentally just a part of our future. Um, and to any potential future AI overlords, listen to this podcast, as always, we welcome you with open (laughs) arms, um, into your great infiniteness at the same time, though, I think it's something that, you know, um, it raises a lot of actual other questions of, uh, ethics and, uh, consciousness. Um, and it brings us into the question of like, where are we actually having these levels of consciousness? Um, if you want to even term it levels of consciousness and like, where are we equating consciousness to like household animals? cats dogs mm-hmm. like even orcas um insects you know yeah. these different things and we're starting to get into these like well, how are we actually defining consciousness in these different relationships and these things and what is the sentient being um those are Precisely. pretty pretty hard fundamental questions to start asking right you know so there's a there's a lot of loaded stuff that we could potentially get into as we sit down here yeah and that's what makes this episode concept so fun and entertaining but i think the concept of sentience kind of reminds me of that one animal that took a selfie and the photographer whose camera that was actually was not allowed to be the owner of that work because it was the work of the animal, not the human. Correct. If I take a picture on your phone, I own that photo. 
Yes. So it's it's the same thing. Like if AI generates a photo, is it really our photo? Is it really like does it belong to anybody that made inputs to that AI or is it the AIs? I mean, think about this. Like if you, Tall, make a work of art, which you make lovely glitch art, please check out Tall's work of art and I'll, I'll link in the description your Thank you. Instagram so our Steves can check that out. But I mean, like if we're going to claim that the people who made the AI own the work, then could that potentially be saying the same thing as like your parents, Tall, would own your work because they... <laughs> they make their inputs to make you like it, it's kind of a, a similar ish question i guess like i mean how do you feel I, about that I, w I was reading actually like a little news article about um the uh, international copyright courts about this actually and i think what it was basically it said to it it was someone trying to make like a comic book um and eventually but they didn't say that they use ai generated imagery in it in the original copyright claim so they had to revise the copyright claim to include all the original work that the author had created but not to include the imagery that was generated in within it because it wasn't originally claimed within the original process i think that there yeah. is a legitimate argument to be made that the prompting and the that process is something that that that's a specific process that you, you're doing that you're inputting mm -hmm. into the algorithm. That's something that is actually within the copyright courts. A specific process, or or even not even actually copyright might not be the right thing. It might be actually a patent because that's getting mm -hmm. into like you're doing a process into a thing in an order of operations into a creative process here. So that's what's essentially right. happening into these things. In what is the art form of really AI generated art is the people creating the prompts. That's something now I can see potentially being um legally owned but i don't know what happens with the art especially right. especially since intrinsically it's using other people's artwork uh, as the frame of reference to generate that art whether that be small artist or a big artist like picasso or van gogh right it's using that and but at the same time what's different than a small artist using a van gogh as a practice for line work or something like that right now then you're generating right. into a profit motive and everything like that now it's it, it, that's where you're, you're getting into some weird like what is the actual consumptual gray areas that we're dealing with? What are the actual tangible things that are happening in these things? And the hard thing about you know, AI literacy and technological literacy is it does not exist in, in pretty much outside of very niche cultures. Not many people actually understand what are the actual processes of what are happening when you search in these, uh, um, these things and stuff like that. I don't have a great understanding of exactly how um, uh, like neural no. networks work, for instance, and stuff like that. I have a conceptual no. idea of how it works, but I don't understand mm -hmm. the nuts and bolts of it. So um, yeah. it's like I don't I, and that's the hard part for me to really make an informed opinion on it is like I don't understand exactly what some of the actual magic that's happening is. Um, and I don't know where those lines are in the sand to actually be like, no, that's you're actually taking some copyright thing versus no, this is a process that's generating something that's truly unique on its own. Um, let alone saying that eventually, you know, the chat GPT gets its own sentiency, then in theory should be able to <laughs> have ownership over its claims, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, again, you tall or a product of your parents. So it's like, it's just an interesting thought experiment to think like, okay, well, if you want to use that example, like in the US, mm -hmm. um, parental rights are pretty much universal and, they, and the children until the age of 18 basically don't have any rights. So if you very much actually, mm -hmm. actually very much have that actual applied, applied principle already kind of existing in your analogy list, at least. And, and where I'm trying to go with this is like, is it a matter of saying like the the AI should not get credit for the work because the authors of the artificial intelligence, like their inputs are viewed as contributing to the art or once the AI is generated, is it considered a separate entity that actually made this art itself? Because again, the whole idea of like copyright protection and creation that goes to the entity that created the work, whether that's a human, an animal, maybe even in this case, artificial intelligence, but similar to cryptocurrency tall, like this is such a new idea, such a new phenomena that we can't, there's no right, there's not even regulations for it yet. Like we, that, like that is the crazy thing with technology is that this stuff comes up so quickly and exponentially at times that like there's a lag in society of adoption and regulation and like just in the past couple years i feel like chatbots and ai have really been taking off whereas like even like 10 years ago like it was 
really a rudimentary phenomena. Like people used to make fun of those chatbots back in like the early 2010s and 2000s because they were not good. <laughs> like they were funny. They would provide really like cheeky answers. And the reality is like for the most part, like a lot of these chat like AI services are still not good. Like they make a lot of exactly. mistakes. Like when Google just uh -huh. released their competition to what uh, uh, Bing's is, uh, it on the on the display and the on the marketing video, it made a mistake. It made a factual mistake on the product. It was supposed to like do a vacuum review, and it just made up something about it, right? So uh, you know these these <laughs> issues of AI hallucination yeah. are just something that like we don't know how to fully deal with at this point yet, and how to have it be accurate and right. information still all these things. Like there's. Um, and then like, just look at the AI, like, don't get me wrong. These AI generated stories, like in that chat GPT, they are getting gosh darn good. Um, they are, they still can make some fucking just the most egregious of errors though. <laughs> yes, they can. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's, it's wild. I mean, have you actually seen some of the AI generated like pictures that like have been made of like actual human beings? With like 20 fingers or something on each hand, like. Okay, yeah, so like definitely with that, um, especially like with, there's gonna be of course adult use in like chat imagery and everything like that, right? That's just gonna happen. Like mm -hmm. we're all horny humans. Like that's just part of the natural <laughs> recourse of being a human. Um, and it is objectively funny to see the internet lose its mind over um, these uh, artificially generated images of basically like idealistic anime woman or models or whatever, yeah. like except they have just like that succubus like or demon <laughs> issue where they have like webbing of the feet or like 20 <laughs> fingers. So like there's these like these like truly perfect like you know like what uh, idealistic images, and then it's just like nope. Then they have 20 feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean having like 10 toes on each foot is like really far from realistic. So I don't know like why it's doing that but it it is still fascinating like it for as many errors like egregious errors as you mentioned tall that the ai can make it also has like these shining moments where it's like like wow like look at that so it, it's, it's producing some amazing stuff i mean like i live i personally really enjoy a lot of obviously as i make glitch stuff myself i really like a lot of like the the super realistic um, well, not super realistic, but like uh, just like an image, just a normal 4K Im or 180p image or whatever of or a video of or a small video of like just like a tree or a plant or a house. And then like the side of it or the bark of it is like animated in like psychedelic tropes where it's like so it's like mm -hmm. your eye, it's like melting away like the bark or something like that. But it's just like a normal image right. otherwise like that. So I'm really enjoying a lot of that yeah. stuff. I think that there's some really fucking creative stuff that's being created with this use of this technology. Um, I follow oh, yeah. some people on Instagram that are like doing like universe creations, right? And they're just doing like little notes and they're like generating entire universes and like doing like sci-fi wow. tropes and like on it, right? That's and cool. they're using them That's as like, really cool. like, yeah. So they're like, there's some really fucking creative, cool stuff. And this is just on the art side of it, let alone like actual mm -hmm. use in um, any uh, economic like production sense. Yeah. They're creating whole new worlds. Like that's phenomenal. And I mean, if you think about it at all, like I, like I, I love the adage that nothing new in our universe is truly created like everything that can be created exists like the building blocks are there like the essence of creation is not necessarily making something from nothing but taking things that currently exist ideas concepts building blocks and putting them together in unique ways that hasn't been done before and that's kind of what this AI generated stuff is doing. It's taking it, these inputs from society and it's building things that like us humans have never even thought about. And that's what's really mind blowing is that it's like we look at that as a species and we get so like locked in on certain mechanisms, certain ways to create art, certain ways to create music that we like we see what the AI builds and puts together and we're like, it's almost like opening a new neural network in our brains because we're like we didn't even know that these were opportunities like think about the thing about the applications with like food or like making beverages or planning travel like these are things that it could completely reinvent the wheel in terms of how we live our day-to-day -day lives how we work how we communicate it, it can build all new practical infrastructure and processes that just make a lot more sense intuitively it could work out complex math and problems potentially like obviously all that stuff is hypothetical but 
it you know could what I want? happen. What? I want the ass Jeeves of our childhood. Do you remember that? Do you remember the like, oh my Earl, God. Dude, like <laughs> I Earl remember internet that. and you no. could go to askjeeves.com <laughs> and you would ask and you could ask it a question yes. and it would pull up that that's that is what I want. I want my personalized like, you know, true Cortana, whatever, you know, um, <laughs> you know, whatever that is. And Can I want to Jeeves. Yeah, basically, right? I want to be like, you know, I want my Alfred, you know, or some shit like that to my one of my, you know, my evil <laughs> henchmen, you know, because I will go to my grave saying that Batman is the villain of the DC universe. I believe it. 100%. You heard it here first, Steve. <laughs> it's not a hot take. It's actually, I think, one of the but yeah, but um, I think that there's, it's just one of those things, like we said, we're only seeing something like, it's definitely one of those things that like, for me, at least, like it opens up like, oh, shit, this is something we can do. Like, so this is something, mm -hmm. like, I can use to, like, make whatever these arts to, like, actually, like, fundamentally, like, grow my expression, like, and think of all these creative projects I can do. So it very much understands, like, on an individual level what you're talking about, like, oh, shit, this is a thing that we can do. This does open up new networks and new possibilities. And that it very much exists within the field of all these different, you know, um, more uh, uh, what would be uh, associated with economically productive activities, right? Um, right. then let alone just the sake of humanities of creativity and creative exploration, or just simply searching the best porn on the internet. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, seriously though, right. Censored. You know, <laughs> that's the truth though. Right. You know, that's, that's realistically what it is. It's the first thing you, you know, but like, that's a huge part of it. So like, but, or like, even like, uh, for like getting involved in like, we have already seen the death of human involved stark market trading that doesn't exist anymore. It's all these microtransactions, all these algorithms, these machines doing all these short like like the, the, the stock market exists fundamentally on algorithms on this place. Right. And to for people to mm -hmm. exchange money in it that way and everything like that. So we're just going to it's just gonna, these continued next steps of these like uh, these other systems being replaced by this ex extra intelligence that human humanity is basically offloading a lot of its underlying system consciousness onto basically right and we're hoping right. we're trying to get it into now have a user face to talk back to us and that is what you're talking about the scary potential right we're a hum humanity is a fundamentally we're trying to offload our systematic consciousness into algorithms right that is fundamentally what yes. we're doing with ai and what we're doing with it all and now we're not just trying to fundamentally offload part of our systematic consciousness onto it we're trying to have it talk back to us and be its own interactive agent that's a exciting thing. It's also a scary thing. It's something that we definitely need to have some level of um, society level discourse and policy on. But, you know, it's just something that policy always lags behind where we're at right now, unfortunately. It does. Um, but, it, it, you know, it's, it's very interesting to see, like, how this will actually manifest in our lifetime as things like just are changing. They're happening like these like. Right they're just happening at this point like you know i'm not saying like i said yeah. we're at some ai mega church uni universal consciousness you know singularity we're all going to go into the 5d matrix together in the hive mind <laughs> but you know we're at this point now where humanity is like truly offloaded a lot of its systematic knowledge and consciousness into mm -hmm. algorithms already as is as we talked about um and we're just continuing to take those next steps forward so like it is truly a, a like we're asking like how do we want to evolve as a species now and how do we want to interact with like the world around us and like we're asking it to interact back with us now that's fundamentally yeah. what i think ai is doing it's asking us to ask it's asking us to interact with the repository of human consciousness as its own independent agent and that is a terrifying prospect because humans are a terrifying thing humans are also yeah. a beautiful mm -hmm. thing though it could be a very beautiful thing though i was gonna say that first up human beings are not the most efficient species. Like we tend to do things in very inefficient ways, myself included, and we're seeking ways to be more efficient, but sometimes we get stuck in our own trains of thought. And that's where the prospect of this AI comes in, where it's like, how can it help us think differently? Because it shouldn't be grounded in the same reality that we are in. Like an ideal AI is able to learn our knowledge, our science, and apply that in the real world in a way that's not biased. But that's the issue. Like, like we've seen the mechanisms where technology is developed. Like, I, I saw this perfect example where white engineers, like, can create, like, a machine that could detect when your hand is there to dry your hands, right? But then what happens when a person with darker skin <laughs> goes to dry their hands and it doesn't register their hand because, like, there's this inherent bias to account for your own color of skin, but not others, right? So it's kind of like the same thing, but in a number of different ways. Like 
Like, we have our own cognitive biases. Like, how do we create an AI that is truly factual and can use that to take us to greater heights rather than being bogged down by our current ways of thinking so that we don't generate destructive, harmful AI that really is bringing down the human race and, you know, spreading misinformation, hatred, and things that are going to really tear us apart. Like, it, it is a terrifying crossroads an equally exciting crossroads. It's like, it's like one of the greatest moral dilemmas that our species has ever faced in a technological fashion. It, well, it's truly an existential risk, right? It mm -hmm. really is. Um, because we are fundamentally asking ourselves to engage with an, uh, an agency that is beyond any individual ability. We're asking, or we're trying to create something fundamentally that can create something smarter than us. Like we're trying to create a machine that can make itself better. When, you know, and continuously mm -hmm. make itself better and better and better, basically like what humans do, right? Humans are always trying yeah. to grow and evolve and everything like that. The same thing we are doing. We're trying to do it on a scale that's just something that's fundamentally beyond what any individual human can do. And that's <laughs> that's a big prospect. That's a scary prospect. Like you said, mm -hmm. there's ways in, you know, and because what we're essentially asking to do is, you know, not like I said, not trying to equate everything here to religion, but you're essentially trying to give something, you know, godlike omniscience over like human consciousness of systematic knowledge, you know, and mm -hmm. like to be able to and how you integrate it with the systems is very a big question mark because there's the are you going to do it in a way that is um, accessible and like safe and that actually makes things better? Or are you going to make it integrate in a way where we become dependent on these systems in ways that are very, uh, very unhealthy, right? But these are just, these are evidential questions that like we need to be like dealing with because this shit's here. Like these people are making these mm -hmm. breakthroughs, they're not going to stop. We have them, these are not in any public like sector too. These are private technologies. Private technologies yes. and private companies aren't going to stop for the greater good of people. They're going to keep going for their own individual motives and their own, and typically yes. that individual motive is profit driven. Um, mm -hmm. I, I ideally don't want. Yeah, and yeah, what exactly? Yeah, exactly. And I personally don't want my future driven off profits. I don't want my future to be driven off transactional things. I think this is an amazing tool that we can we need to be very careful and fucking figuring it out because it can help us get to those things of truly having a post scarcity society, right? And actually being mm -hmm. able to figure out some of these true logistical management things to Maybe actually cure cancer. Who fucking knows, right? To actually live in that potential sci-fi future that every kid that watched Star Wars wants to live in, right? Or whatever that might look like. We can live in a thing, like, we have to deal with some of these very hard human social equity issues that we're dealing with that have continued to been plagued humanity since uh, recorded history, at least. Um, right. That still hasn't been dealt with, so <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like, we, it's like these, like, this is a necessary... I don't, I don't want to say anything is a necessary technology because I don't know that and I'm not here to make that claim. I don't have that kind of uh, ability to foresee right. and I don't know technology that well. But this is a this is one of those key technologies that fundamentally, just like nuclear science, poses an existential threat to humanity on a scale that we don't understand. Nope. Um, and But it's at the same time, it's a technology pathway that without knowing what the outcome is, how does humanity not go down it? Mm -hmm. It's almost like we we feel that we need it, but it scares us equally, right? Like because we, we need don't it trust to take us to the next level, yeah. but that next level could harm us. The the next level could very much. It could also be you know it's it's one of those things right where it can be a thing of great peace and it can be of great joys and great equity. It can be one of complete harm and disavowed. It could be the end of humanity, right? It could be. Mm -hmm. We could eventually. We're talking about existential risks. Existential risks come with existential consequences. Nuclear yeah. technology is the first thing that humans ever truly invented, in my opinion. That was that thing that could truly eliminate the species. Yeah. I mean, this AI is one of those things. You know, now we have all these different systems that have led to climate change, which I think poses a different kind of existential threat. I think that humans exactly. can ultimately survive whatever conditions we do to what we have done immediately to the Earth. I just think it's a question of quality and amount and and of total. Right. Um, so I don't mm -hmm. think that's it's a different kind of existential question. Um, AI is one of those things where I think it all is, is more of on that nuclear approach where it's going to be like, uh, this is something that can end our civilization overnight, right? If, if it's gone, if, if the wrong sequence of events happen, right? So this needs to be, you, I, while we need to, like, I firmly believe we need to be continuing nuclear research, right? 
Um, I think there's a lot of promising technology in that stuff that we need to figure out how to deal with. We need to the same thing with the AI. We need to move forward with these with this research and these things. But we need to be able to have conversations and put some guide rails on it to make sure that we don't accidentally extinct ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you brought up some really good points there because it, it is something that we need to research, but there needs to be the appropriate controls in, in the right mindset to go forward because you can't give artificial intelligence the power to ultimately make us extinct as a species without first vetting it, right? Like you need to make sure that the right controls and mechanisms are in place where like we are coding it in a way that is going to benefit us in the future and is not going to include those inherent biases that could continue to subjugate people, divide people, make tensions rise, potentially start disaster, like just complete global disaster, supply chain failure, climate change, like runaway climate change. Like there's just so many considerations. We have big problems. I think we, we could really use AI to solve them, but it's like, how is it done in an effective way that is not biased, that is not going to ultimately lead to our self-destruction. The honest question I think we need to be asking is not how AI leads to our extinction, but how do we ensure that AI safely allows us to evolve in a way that we consciously choose and feel safe? Humans yeah. have gotten to the point now where we're getting with like with genotherapy and like and, the, and a lot of these different uh, medical science stuff where we're we're, we're not natural anymore. No one's natural. There's some maybe some people and still in some very isolated communities like the uh, um, even the people in those um, uh, on the islands off of the coast of India. Um, um, they're infected by microplastics just like I am, too. Like there isn't anyone here who's all natural human anymore. That doesn't exist. We have our, we've changed the system of the world too much. We just have like they're right. you know with just microplastics. Yeah. So like there's a like what is what does it mean to evolve for us to evolve now and to grow, right? Artificial intelligence is one of those things that is a, a pathway forward to do that, right? But it has to yeah. be done in a way that's safe for us to naturally evolve in the ways that we choose and we like feel safe and that can't be subject to for through uh, uh, a power and an agency that's outside of us, right? Um, right. That would lead to our extinction and fundamentally, like, because that is the extinction, either culturally or whatever it is. It needs to augment us and it needs to right our wrongs without wronging our rights. Yeah, you know, and it needs to, like you said, it needs to, it needs to be, a, uh, it needs to be a guiding tool. It needs to be a, a thing that you, honestly, because mm -hmm. it would be its own consciousness. Then essentially, if it does reach that ever level of sentiency, um, it needs to be a thing that has a benevolent relationship with us that helps us, like, like I said, make those conscious agency choices for us to choose to evolve in these ways instead of being forced to uh, uh, do something with outside of our agency of control. Um, if right. you start, cause that's how you get into, like I said, that's where, like I said, you get into existential threats where it's, it is very scary futures. Yeah. I mean, there definitely is, of course, as you alluded to at the top of the podcast, there's the whole debate about, okay, is AI sentient? Is it conscious? And it's like, we, we just really don't know, right? Like it, 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 there, there's such a blurry line here. Like it's a very subjective thing how we define consciousness and sentience because we're the only ones to observe ourselves, right? So it's hard to say for sure. But I mean, assuming one day we cross that boundary and we create a fully sentient conscious being, that brings up like a whole slew of questions about our own existence and what we're capable of. So I think that that will be definitely interesting to explore in the future as we continue to see this technology evolve and where it goes, right? No, it's, it's interesting, right? It's a genuine question and it's not something that I think anyone really has anything outside of projective guesses. Absolutely. But I think both of us agree that, that AI could be good for us. We just need to make sure that the right controls are in place. It's a healthy symbiotic relationship and we're building it in a healthy, constructive ethical manner and not doing anything that's going to harm our own species or be used to like, you know, wage war against one another, even though inevitably humans have a tendency to do that. So there's definitely a lot of ethical constraints that need to be considered and that will definitely have to be explored over time. It's why I find that it's one of the disagreements I have with the like the Fermi paradox, right? Is because I'm like, uh, I don't fundamentally agree that there's a single great filter of a society. 
Mm-hmm. Hey, Fermi Paradox. We have an episode hey. on that. <laughs> I wanted hey. to have a little callback for you there, my friend. And you know what? We're, we're talking about AI, right? On this episode, it's artificial intelligence. But I believe on your podcast, you talked about altruistic intentions, which is a different <laughs> form of AI, right? <laughs> I had fun with it. I had, I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah, no, I definitely uh, t- took my uh, took my stab into uh, this exact conversation, right? Um, I, I saw that AI was a trending topic on Twitter. So I was like, oh, we might as well uh, read my Tibetan Book of the Dead and talk about uh, generating <laughs> altruistic intention or uh, generating AI, if it might there would be called as so i very the much first uh, yeah AI. yeah i don't know if it was the first ai but it was one that's at least a couple you know it's, it's an older one right so <laughs> right right well just had to do a shameless plug for two of our episodes so check out the fermi paradox episode on a cup of tea and check out the generating ai episode on the descent into illumination by tall and next up tall as we like get to the latter half of this episode i do want to interact with chat gpt and yeah. maybe ask it some questions here. So ChatGPT, optimizing language models for dialogue. And I'm getting this right off their homepage here. They say that we've trained a model called ChatGPT, which interacts in a conversational way, as we've discussed. The dialogue format makes it possible for ChatGPT to answer follow-up questions, admit its mistakes, challenge incorrect premises, and reject inappropriate requests. I mean... I think that's pretty important. <laughs> ChatGPT is a sibling model to instruct GPT, which is trained to follow an instruction in a prompt and provide a detailed response. So I signed up. So I ha- I'm, I'm greeted with this chat box here. It gives you some example questions that you could ask. It lets you know what some of the capabilities it has are. And it also lets you know what some of its limitations are, which there are limitations. This is open source, so anybody could use it that signs up for an account on the OpenAI website. But of course, I mean, they're developing this tool and like there's some upfront disclosures, of course, like never disclose any personal information is part of using the tool, like keep it generic and things like that. And of course, it's still learning. It's learning and, and, and part of the growth of these tools is giving it inputs, giving it new questions to ponder, new concepts to think about, to research and create those artificial neural networks, if you will. So I say tall, let, let's have fun with this, right? I think that you had a question that you had to ask. Yeah, no, I think that I do have a question. Well, more more not, not not necessarily a question, but more of a I wanted to ask for a little story prompt because I think that storytelling is always fun, right? And on the, as especially yes. as my descent's more of a book club now. Um, I figured we might have more of a little excerpt. So I figured that we would uh, ask Chappie GIT to basically just tell us the story of you and me going off on an adventure to go get a cup of tea and uh, something something marvelous and mischievous happens. I think that if you can somehow include um, an Inchorito or a enchilada. If you remember what an enchilada is, it was a Taco Bell item. If you can somehow include that into the story too, I think that would be appreciated because we are getting food and our drinks. So something to eat too might be nice, you know? I think that you are having a whimsical kind of uh, attitude to the day, you know, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for whatever reason, um, the sky is 3D or 4D or 5D or something. I don't know, a different dimension. The sky's a different dimension. Okay, this is very interesting. We'll see. Right, let's, let's see what, yeah, exactly. So, let's, let's see so what it comes the, up with. The prompt that I wrote is describe an adventure where two people get a cup of tea after having enchiladas and something mischievous happens while the sky is four dimensional. Okay. Okay. Is let's that see. fair? Yeah, no, I see. Uh, and let's keep it to uh, within, t- uh, within 250 words. Okay. Let's see if we could do that. I think you can just type okay. in the prompt or maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I'm seeing how it's going right now. It's oh no, it, it's writing it pretty fast. Oh, shit. OK. Yeah, I really like this. This is cool. Oh, I you know, actually, it's it's longer than 250 characters. That's but okay. I kind of want to read this thing. Go for it. Just read it. Read this, it all. This sounds like an epic tale already. So let's see. I mean, this is like a college paper. My goodness. Okay, let me read this. Ready? 
So the title looks to be Mischievous Adventure. Are you ready, Steeps? This is the story of Tall and Jared going to get a cup of tea. Once upon a time, there were two friends, Tall and Jared, who decided to go on an adventure. They started their day with a delicious lunch of enchiladas, and afterwards, they were craving a warm cup of tea. So they set off to a nearby tea shop in the heart of the city. As they walked towards the shop, they noticed that the sky had a strange 4D quality to it, as if it was pulsing and changing colors. Despite feeling a little uneasy about the unusual sky, Tall and Jared continued on their mission to find the perfect cup of tea. I love that. When they arrived at the tea shop, they were delighted to find that the shop was filled with a wide variety of teas from all over the world. They perused the menu and finally decided on a fragrant blend of Darjeeling tea. As they sipped their tea and chatted, they noticed that the other customers in the shop were acting strangely. This is getting a little hairy here. Okay, okay. <laughs> getting, a little, getting a little unnerving. People were laughing uncontrollably, dancing on tables and singing at the top of their lungs. Tall and Jared couldn't help but feel a little bit mischievous themselves, so they decided to join in on the fun. They started to dance along to the music and sing loudly, much to the amusement of the other patrons. As they continued to enjoy themselves, they suddenly noticed that the 4D sky had caused the shop to transform into a fantastical wonderland with bright colors and whimsical creatures all around them. Tall and Jared couldn't believe their eyes and immediately started exploring this new world. They rode giant snails, climbed towering trees, and even flew on the backs of dragons. It was an adventure like no other. Finally, after many hours of fun and excitement, the 4D sky began to fade, and the tea shop returned to its original form. Tall and Jared, a little disoriented, realized that they had been transported to another realm for an afternoon of wild adventure. They shared a smile and a laugh, knowing that they had experienced something truly special by ChatGPT. Fun. <laughs> what are your initial thoughts here, Tall? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that was the best story I've ever heard. Um, I would say <laughs> to be literally generated though all of that to be gen generated in about a minute is mm -hmm. impressive though. Um, and for it to be that that is like the solid foundation of like like the concept idea of like actually writing an adventure, right? And like a basic storyboard. Like so, I think that yeah. like that like that would like for like. For like you said, for like just typing that in and then like it just to generate that is like just off those prompts is like solid as hell. That is an, it's an, it was a very cohesive it's like the thoughts were cohesive. Yeah. Um, I thought that the transitions were, um, I guess the best way for me to describe how I felt is it still felt very, very elementary. It was. It was not it did not feel refined. It felt very basic. And it did not feel like I, I now I don't know if I could have told you that that would have been generated by AI if I just read it in a text or a thing. I would have thought that oh someone was just trying to write something and it wasn't anything that great, right? Mm -hmm. um, I like but like oh and I, I see where they're going and I like where it's going. I like the I liked the um, uh, like that it just brought in dragons. I love that. <laughs> I love that it just brought us to have magic like it just like, like I love it. But it was like it was a very cohesive story. It made sense. Um, it, it followed, I think, a very um, prototy prototypical hero's journey, basically, um, that just had a kind of a, more of a no point at all ending, except that we got tea. <laughs> the perfect cup of tea. Yeah, and everything else around us was just weird. But uh, <laughs> it was that was fun. It was uh, like you said, but like this, like it's, it's it was it was it was a cool little thing. What are your initial beliefs on it? Not thoughts, so, beliefs. Right. No, I, I think it has profound implications for our species because to write a story that long in such a short amount of time with that level of detail and the word choice, like, that is very impressive. Like, no human realistically could achieve that, right? Like, that that's just, unless you have a ton of experience writing short stories in minutes, right? Like, that's... That is you something know, hard to do because we get writer's block. We we are right. very creative ourselves, but we have to get our creative juices flowing. We have to get in that mindset. Like that's what I'm talking about with AI. Like it's hard for us to just think about these things. Like when I thought about this podcast, it took me a long time to come up with the name, to create the logo, to find the right music, to think about what I wanted to talk about on this podcast, this space. And ChatGPT could do it in like a minute or less. And 
Like, I thought that part of it was impressive. I obviously, it, it inserted generic names, so I inserted our names instead. It gave the names Alice and Bob, but I, of course, those are very generic names, so I put our names in there instead. And like, it, the, the story did feel a little generic. Like, once, like, I, I thought the beginning was like this like unnerving realism i liked it i like how it, it was like okay we had lunch going to look for the perfect cup of tea it described the specific blend of tea being the perfect cup of tea i thought that was lovely but i thought the part with the uncontrollable laughter the whimsical world we were transported to i, I thought it felt like alice in wonderland like it was very generic but the, actually, my favorite part, Tall, was the interactive 4D sky. Because all I said was 4D sky. 4D sky. And it made it, like, interactive, like what you would see in, like, a sci-fi or, like, a fantasy type of flick. Where, like, the sky itself became part of the story. It was interactive. Like, I thought that was really cool. Well, yeah, like it, it, that's the. I think that's a really good point to illustrate that. That's where you can show where like this um, AI, uh, you know, the, the chat service, right? This chatbot um, pulled from its database right there. You just said, like you said, if that was your only prompt on it, it really then was like now made it this like it really went with the tropes that are known in sci-fi and everything like that. So you can hmm. really see like what it's being like the actual processes of whatever's going on behind those scenes on the data searches that it does and the data scraping, right? You know, to manifest that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to me, like, I, I just thought that was really cool because it can recognize that four dimensional space is higher dimensional space. And in essence, within 4D space, you have many 3D spaces. Hence why we were able to be transported from this coffee shop to this whimsical world like that, because it's four dimensional space. Like, it's like taking a pencil and sticking it through two sheets of paper, right? Like you're connecting distinct worlds like like 3d can transcend 2d just like 4d can transcend 3d if you know what i mean so yeah that is very cool it's very intelligent but yeah it, while it is creative it does rely on some generic tropes which of course i think is one limitation because it's writing a, a very generic story i'm sure tall if we gave a much more detailed prompt like a paragraph it probably could write something more magnificent yep. Yeah, and that's the creative part of it, right? That was just, just mm -hmm. creating something like on the spot right there of us yeah. just talking versus like actually going into, like I said, where I believe that, you know, you can get into maybe some argument of copyright or patenting of like actual processes of like, how are you making these prompts? And like, how are you interacting with these services and stuff like that? Um, and these, um, or not even services, but to potential sentiency, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, I think that, um, but at the same time, though, like for you and me, like now that we have this prompt of the story, give us, you know, an hour or two hours together with that. We could create a pretty nice little short story together. You and me, I know that off of that, right? I know you you can create some beautiful artwork with that, too. Yeah, like I could have I could literally make a coloring book series just based off of that. Just the, the prompt series of us going off of our thing or like a doodle series or something like that, right? Um, like there's a, like, the, then that's where you're talking about. Like, this is the tools that you can use it for in these creative processes. And that's like why it fundamentally does have a space in our society, right? Like, like there's just something like humans want, like this is in like, we in like, so like, it like, uh, and like ever, it's something we're fundamentally interested in and it's a, it's a fun thing. And it's like, as long as it just really goes to show is like the importance of like what we should, it, I think that. I think a good enough reason for us to be able to, for humans to explore what this technology is, is because we want to. I think that's right. just a good enough reason right there by itself. Um, I think that it needs to, again, just be done in a way that we're not accidentally dodoing ourselves um, or um, giving ourselves over to a new techno conscious, right? But at the same time, like there is such a fun space for this in our society because it is so cool. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It adds a whole, no pun intended tall, but this adds a whole new dimension to our creativity as a species. Like there's the human element and now you've got this artificial intelligence element, which both entities are valid and can potentially have their own agency, but think in different ways and like mesh together in like a very beautiful way. And again, it, it brings up the whole idea of like, could we upload our consciousness one day? How, how, could AI become sentient if it ever can? Like, what does that look like? Like, these are just such philosophical questions. It's almost seemingly unanswerable at this time. But it, it's so interesting. I loved really putting that prompt in and getting that story back. But as we begin to wrap up this episode, Tall, 
I want to ask you one more question. In Disclaimer yeah. Seeps, this chatbot, just like any other chatbot, is not guaranteed to give you fully accurate information. I, I, I really would caution that because you, you still need to do your own homework on things. Like, none of these chatbots are going to be 100% accurate, and you'll see mm -hmm. that in the disclaimers. But I do want to kind of flex and test its capabilities and kind of ask a little bit of a darker question. I, I want to ask, like, what will the next 100 years of climate change look like? Ooh. Let's see. Let's see what kind of response you can give us here. Interesting question. Just fundamentally. Absolutely. Ask it to cite its sources too. <laughs> I Seriously, will. I think that because that's an interesting part because like people are using this to write like papers for like school and shit like that. So I want to see if it like cited sources and shit like that. All right, it's generating right now. Oh, okay. It's pretty much writing up a school paper. Yeah, and that, that's actually another observation I'm making right now, Steeps. Typically, if you ask it a like a scientific or philosophical prompt or like a story prompt, it, it's it's got a very similar structure to these responses. Like it's approximately the same length. You could tell it's pre-generated. Okay, so there's like it's whatever rules of that it that this program abides by. That's one of the kind of the things within its its coding or program is to kind of have its pocket answers be about this initially right. at least unless maybe he can get more specific with the prompts and maybe expand or contrast that okay so it is citing some sources here this is pretty cool all right when it's done here i will read the report okay and actually when i asked it to cite its sources it did give it did generate a much shorter response and actually created bullet points for these oh i so, like that interesting I like yeah that. Pretty fancy. I'll, I'll share this with you too when we're done here so you can see it. But let me read out its response. So my prompt was simply, what will the next 100 years of climate change look like? ChatGPT said, and I quote, predicting the exact future of climate change over the next 100 years is difficult due to the complexity of the Earth's climate system and many factors that influence it. Very PC answer. I do like that. <laughs> However, based on current trends and projections from climate models, we can make some general predictions about what the next 100 years of climate change might look like. Firstly, it is likely that global temperatures will continue to rise, with an estimated increase of 1.5 centigrade to 4.5 centigrade by the end of the century, depending on how much we are able to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. This increase in temperature will lead to a range of impacts such as more frequent and intense heat waves, sea level rise, increased frequency and severity of extreme weather events such as hurricanes, droughts, and floods, and changes in precipitation patterns. The Arctic will begin to warm at a faster rate than the rest of the planet, resulting in the melting of glaciers and sea ice, and potentially the complete disappearance of summer sea ice by mid-century. This will have significant impacts on Arctic ecosystems and also affect global weather patterns. The ocean will continue to absorb large amounts of carbon dioxide, leading to ocean acidification and changes in marine ecosystems. The ocean will also continue to warm, leading to increased coral bleaching, species migrations, and changes in marine productivity. In terms of human impacts, climate change is likely to exacerbate existing social and economic inequalities, as we've discussed actually in our last episode that we did together, universal entitlements. Mm -hmm. As vulnerable populations are disproportionately affected by climate change impacts such as food and water scarcity, which we'll talk about on our next episode on the SEPEX. Whatever that happens, yeah, but 100%. <laughs> <laughs> climate change is also expected to increase the risk of conflicts over resources such as water and land. There it is. Yeah. and could lead to large-scale migration and displacement. Overall, the next 100 years of climate change are likely to be characterized by a range of impacts that will have significant consequences for both human and natural systems. However, the extent of these impacts will depend on how much action is taken to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and adapt to climate change. I then asked ChatGPT to cite its sources, and it said, as an AI language model, I do not have personal beliefs, opinions, or the ability to cite sources, but I can provide some general sources that discuss the potential impacts of climate change over the next 100 oh, yeah. years based on scientific research and projections. It cites the... Sorry about the voice. <laughs> no, I appreciate the voice. Please, that, that voice is welcome back anytime. <laughs> 
The sources are the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, IPCC Fifth Assessment Report, NASA Global Climate Change website, the National Climate Assessment, and the Union of Concerned Scientists. And I quote, these sources and many others provide scientific information and projections on climate change and its potential impacts over the next 100 years. Wow. So, I mean, very impressive again that it's able to build this out in a, in a very short amount of time. But my first observation, being someone that is familiar with basic climate science, is that this is all stuff that I pretty much already knew from one source or another. So it's it's not on, for for such a basic prompt, it is able to give you a basic level of understanding. But I don't think it really provided any insights that made me go, wow, like I never knew that. Like this is basically a crash course on climate science if you just were completely ignorant to it. This is just giving you, um, this isn't giving you, 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 you're basically still wanting that next level. You're asking, you're still, you're, you're interested in what like Google is and, and like uh, in cloud AI are trying to produce with um, that's custom search results and like that really interactive feature for you to be able to be like, no, what is this basically to have an in-depth conversation about like the climate prediction of the future and be able to like have an actually astute opinion and be like, no, this is what we believe off of the models to actually look like instead of being like, no, the water's going to change. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, based on what we know today, Tall, like pretty good, a pretty good synopsis yeah. of the next 100 years of climate change. Like for people that don't know better, of course, I encourage you to research your own sources and do your homework on the topic because climate change is very real. The science is very real. And like you need to just do your homework on it. If you're not familiar with it, I would encourage you to like look in your own sources, cite your own sources and, and make sure that they're credible, of course. But I mean, wow, just for like a just a basic overview, like I think it did a pretty decent job. No, I think it did. A, I think it was a solid thing. And I think it's just again, we're showing very basic examples of why this technology is here to stay. Like this is just it's yep. just like it's it, it's promise is too good. Like it's it's the ability just to even produce on like the most basic little things here for us is just like truly outstanding. Um, like it's it's here to stay and, it's, and we have to make sure we are figuring out how to grow it and do it in the most uh, beneficial way to uh, humanity and to the species as a whole. Yeah, it, it will definitely have extremely useful applications. I can definitely see it, even if it, even in its current form, it's showing a lot of promise. Like you said, it is impressive. Um, just because it's not this quote unquote sentient being, and it's still able to put together these responses as if it was like a grad student or maybe an undergrad student that has limited understanding of these topics or has to just throw something together in like an hour, like it. It's able to replicate thought patterns and like the ability to create these works of art and, and pull together these research papers at a basic level, which it's it's the introduction. It's, it's the intro course, Tall, and we are just scraping the surface here. And I know that as we start to wrap up this episode here, this is a topic that I'm sure we'll revisit in the future. It's very fascinating. But, you know, we talked a lot about the philosophy behind artificial intelligence and we played with artificial intelligence. Say we asked it to build a story based on a prompt, a more fantastical, creative work. And we also asked it a rigorous science question. And, you know, it, it definitely flexed its capabilities in both arenas, you know, and I think that's important as well, because there's the creative side that's taking what we know and making something fantastical and something exciting and entertaining. But then there's also the need to put together our collective understanding in science and technology and, you know, be able to, to like report on that more accurately as we go into the future and, and build like, like pretty much build an understanding that is going to help us deal with problems like climate change and inequities and, the lack to basic universal entitlement. So I'm excited. Of course, I'm on edge as well. <laughs> um, yep. But I, very I see the promise. I see the promise. And I, I'm just going to be cautiously optimistic that this could help us. I'm not going to say it will. It could help us. But we just have to see how the story unfolds because we are in the age of information and we are in the age of AI as AI continues to grow and expand even faster 
than the internet did and has done since its onset back in the early 90s. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that you've been very much well succinct, like kind of the, the generalized anxieties that we have with it, but also at the same time, the genuine excitement we have at this potential. Yep. The initial conditions were there. We let loose and now it's going to start building itself up from the ground up and we just have to be there to nurture it in a way that is going to heal and not hurt. Oh, we're, I mean, it's growing. It, yeah, exactly. Right. It's growing. So we just do our best to make sure that like we do, like you said, do our best to make sure we're as a species don't kill ourselves and like actually help ourselves <laughs> evolve in conscious and mindful ways. Yeah, right. It, it's kind of like it, if we ever did address the Fermi paradox and actually encountered extraterrestrial beings, like it's like, great. Now what? Like, let's just not screw this up, right? <laughs> like, yeah, not, yeah, exactly. Then the actual consequences start happening. Yeah. Again, it's just, as a human race, we just have to be able to deal with the consequences. But, uh, like, any last closing remarks to all before we wrap up this episode on the beautiful and terrifying nature of artificial intelligence? No, I think that uh, you've really well succinct it. I think that the final thing that I will say with it is that I do fundamentally believe that it is a pivotal technology that will nourish humanity forward if orchestrated in mindful ways. Um, I think that there needs to be a large conversation about removing this from the public or uh, from the private sector and moving into some public and pu public sector to figure out how we can um, have more transparency and more visibility on these different things. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very important thing. And that's something that's largely not being talked about outside of um, some very specific uh, um, circles. Um, I think mm -hmm. that um, this is as we continue to have. Uh, if we want to rope in larger conspiracies and has basically the soft disclosure of um, um, unidentified aerial phenomena of the whatever the heck that's going on and whether <laughs> if it's actually extraterrestrial that's or another episode <laughs> or if it's just the realization of just like repressed technology right not I'm not saying like free energy or anything like that necessarily but just like the acknowledgement that right. like they had the military industrial complex is some ridiculous technology and like things are becoming public. Like we're advancing things, things are becoming more accessible, things are becoming cheaper, things are, you know, things are changing, right? So, you know, not to tie in too far, like I said, into all that stuff, but like we're dealing with stuff that are like, there needs to be greater transparency. And when we're dealing with these existential questions, um, I understand that the, that like, for instance, state and private actors fundamentally will always act in their best interest, but we're continuously evolving our ways of how we're basically fucking with humanity's entire survival system. And these are things that need continued open transparency and continued civil discourse so we can figure out how the hell we're going to navigate this stuff. Um, you can't navigate this stuff through ignorance. You can't navigate this stuff through a top-down approach of uh, whatever um, select few elite or rich or whatever um, people within that mm -hmm. inner, inner group um, get to um, be aware of uh, how to access this technology and to be able to use it in uh, in, in, in equitable ways that will in inherently create um, larger income and social inequity issues, right? So, um, yeah, it just these things need to be transparent. They need to be done mindfully, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be excited and utilize what accesses we have to them right now because it's, it's cool technology. And you just need to be mindful of how you use it. It's going to take all of us, and these things take time. I, I think that we can really only look at this effectively through the lens of globalization, as we've talked about on this podcast before. Like, how do we take, like you said, an approach that's taking everybody's beliefs and thoughts and knowledge and wisdom into account? Because if we do it on a selective basis and only includes like the inputs of certain classes or ethnicities we're screwed like we're fundamentally screwed at that point because now we're building new mechanisms that will like subjugate people and that's not cool so like we need to take all the lessons we've learned as a species and use this effectively as a tool to build itself like you said so very good closing remark thank you and as always i'll final with the steep and the traveler that stopped on by as always you are loved you are worthy and of course you are enough and seeps i really encourage you to journey on and, and take the path and maybe find yourself as a traveler over on tall's podcast the descent into illumination and thank you seeps for descending into ai with us we really appreciate it and we will chat soon 
Thanks for listening about artificial intelligence. If this podcast is your cup of tea, then please leave a review and subscribe for the latest freshly brewed ice cold content. As always, let your thirst for curiosity leave you feeling enlightened.